Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Welcome to the Seattle Mariners Baseball Podcast. Diving mean, stop, Singer. Toss on up the first. In time to get seven. Three-run homer. Robinson can off the lefty specialist, Fernando Abad. And the Mariners lead it five to four. Goodbye, baseball. Straight away, center field. Cano and Cruz go back to back. And the king, when the Mariners needed him the most, two hits over seven. Scoreless innings. Now, here's your host, Gary Hill. Welcome back, Seattle Mariners Baseball Podcast at Mariners Pod on Twitter. You can follow me as well at Gary Hill Jr. Great to have you back. And oh, it's great the Mariners are back in action tonight. That was a long, long day without the M's. Of course, rolling. Winners of seven of their past eight. A couple numbers to throw your way along those lines. We have a lot to talk about in this one. We're going to preview the series with the Minnesota Twins. I think it's a big one. I'm going to tell you why. Uh, unfortunately, we're going to hook up and go in-depth with someone from Minnesota to get an inside look, but it fell through. So you're just going to get me talking about the Minnesota Twins. I I feel I've seen them quite a bit this year. I'm kind of fascinated by what they've been doing this year. So I have a decent thumbnail. So... I'll talk about the Twins and what the Mariners will see coming up. Not only this series, but the Mariners will actually see the Twins quite a bit here in the next couple of weeks. We're going to hear from Felix in a moment. He's going to pitch tonight for the Tacoma Rainiers, which is fantastic. We'll hear from Edgar Martinez. The offense is rolling, so it's a great time to hear from Edgar. Rebecca Hale will be here as the longest homestand of the season continues. And to make up for... Dropping the ball on Minnesota. Some pretty uh, fun with Dave Niehaus at the end, at home with Dave, which he reads a great story. So that comes up at the very end of the podcast. Before we talk about Minnesota, though, uh, I want to talk about Mariners now have won seven of their past eight ball games. During that stretch, they've outscored their opponents 57 to 22. They're averaging seven runs a ball game, and they're pitching as a 2.75 ERA. I mean, it has come offensively, defensively, pitching the whole thing. It has all been there for the Mariners in this stretch. And I was just looking at the series that just happened, the Mariners in Tampa Bay. 
and I was thinking about the best way to recap it, and I think I found the best way to recap it. So in the series, Danny Valencia had nine hits. He went nine for ten, batted 900. Six RBIs, seven runs scored. Tampa Bay in the series had seven RBIs and seven runs scored. They had 19 hits but batted 192. One more RBI than Danny Valencia and as many runs scored as Danny Valencia in the series. And to me, that summed things up pretty well. A dominating sweep of Tampa Bay over the weekend. So now the Mariners get back to work tonight. Before we talk about that, here's Felix, what he said after his simulated game over the weekend. And with that in mind, he'll be pitching tonight for the Rainiers. Did it feel different having a hitter in there, though, compared to your bullpen and stuff like that? Oh, definitely. I mean, you got to, you know, a little bit more focus and just be around the plate. On the bullpen, you can command everything. But when a hitter's on the play, uh, you got to be a little bit better. You felt nothing in the shoulder. No. Yeah, four days, I think. I'm going to rehab start. How big a step was this from the last time you threw? Way bigger. I mean, I feel, feel much better. Two rehab starts, though? Oh, two rehab starts, yes, for sure. Yeah. Four, four innings and uh, then six, I think. Change-ups here? Everything. Everything. Feel like it's getting close. Then, huh? and just, just want to pitch. So, <laughs> just want to pitch. Oh, it'll be so great to have the King back. James Paxson, of course, back. He takes the mound tonight for the Mariners. 4-0, 1-2-6. ERA was absolutely razor sharp the last time out. His first start after being activated off the disabled list and and he looked ridiculous. He dominated. So Paxton will get the ball tonight. Hector Santiago will go for the Twins. Mariners have seen a lot of Hector Santiago over the years. Gallardo will take the ball coming up tomorrow. And then Christian Bergman, who has been really good. I mean, you take out the Washington start, and he has been really, really good at a time when the Mariners have really needed it. So he'll take the ball against Servant Santana, who's having an excellent year. 7-10 first pitch uh, for each one of these ball games against the Minnesota Twins. Three against the Twins, and then three against the Blue Jays over the weekend. And then the Mariners travel to Minnesota to take on the Twins for four. So the Mariners will see the Twins in seven of their next ten ball games. And here's why I think this is such an important stretch. And I mean, you know we're it's the beginning of June, but I'm going to talk about standings anyway. Right now, the Twins, one of the surprise teams in Major League Baseball, 29-24 and 24 in first place in the Central, a game up on Cleveland. However, when I look at how the American League lays out, I still think, and maybe I'll be wrong, uh, it's more than possible, I still think Cleveland is going to win the Central. I, I like Cleveland coming into the season uh, I still think they're stacked. I don't think they've played their best baseball this year, and they're just one game back at this point. I still think Cleveland is going to win the Central. So Cleveland wins the Central. Houston on their way to winning the West. They won their 11th in a row last night, 42-16 and 16 now. They're on pace to beat the Mariners' win record, if you can believe that. And then somebody's going to win the East. So throw – every other American League team into the wild card chase. And if Cleveland does end up winning the Central, that means Minnesota will be in the wild card chase. 29-24 and 24 on the season. You don't get a ton of cracks at teams outside your division. 
not only, I mean, the Mariners have won seven of eight. Not only do they want to keep that role going, but, I mean, these are seven games against a team that you may or may not be battling with towards the end of the season. So, really, an opportunity series, an opportunity stretch by playing the Minnesota Twins seven times in the next ten ball games. Now, Minnesota has had an excellent year, and they have been really good on the road, 17-6 and six on the road this year. In fact, they've played better on the road than they have at home so far this year. They have scuffled as of late, but they picked it up over the weekend. They took three of four from the Angels over the weekend, and they've done it in interesting ways this year. Last year, the Twins finished in dead last in the Central, 59-103 and 103 on the season. Worst record in the American League. So it's been a very big turnaround from last year to this year. A few of the highlights and what's done it, they give a lot of credit to Jason Castro, who, I mean, you look at the offensive numbers, they don't blow you away. Castro batting 219 with five dingers on the season, 324 on base percentage. But they give him a ton of credit for handling the pitching staff and defensively behind the plate. And their pitching has been much better than it was last year. Their defense has been much better. Miguel Sano, who spent time in the outfield last season to start the year, has moved back to his more comfortable third base. They have kept Robbie Grossman out of the outfield for the most part. He's been the designated hitter. And that's been a big difference. Robbie Grossman really struggles defensively. And they've had Buxton in center field for the season. He has struggled offensively, but he is really, really good out in center field. And then Kepler and Rosario for the most time in the outfield along with him. They've been better defensively. So the defense has been much better. Miguel Sano offensively is playing at an all-star level 14 home runs, 43 ribbies so far on the season, just crushing the ball, batting 303. He's got a 410 on base percentage, slugging 607. All-star type numbers for Sano. He's really carried the load offensively. Brian Dozier has not recaptured the magic from his season a year ago. Remember, Dozier just, I mean, crushed it last year. 42 home runs last year for Dozier. Went on that Crazy home run binge for a time. He's been decent this year, uh, but just eight home runs so far, batting 236. Max Kepler, though, is a different story. Batting 269 now with seven home runs and 25 RBIs, but he has really come on as of late. They have high expectations for Kepler, and he has really started to meet a lot of those expectations offensively. Uh, you go all the way back to, I guess, May, May 13th, so it's been nearly a month, eh, less than a month, but he is batting in that time with 92 plate appearances, batting 310 with five home runs and 13 RBIs. So he has really come on and made a big difference for the Twins offensively. Other than that, just kind of bits and pieces. I mean, Mauer's batting 287. Four home runs. Buxton is below 200, just two long balls, struggling offensively, but he can go get it in center field. Irvin Santana, 2-4-4 ERA and 81 innings pitch. He's not striking anybody out. 58 punch shots and 81 innings. 
Perhaps the 244 is a little low when you peel back some of the numbers. The Mariners will see him in the series. They will not see Jose Barrios, who has burst onto the scene after struggling a little bit last year. Uh, started the year in the minors this year, but has really injected into the rotation for the Twins. 4-1 and one with a 2.76 ERA. Absolute electric stuff. 31 punch-outs in 32 and two-thirds innings. Mariners will probably see him in Minnesota, and he is really, really good. He has a promising future in the big leagues. The rest of the rotation, Gibson, they'll see Mejia in this three-game set as well. Hector Santiago this year, 4-7-6 ERA. He's really struggled at times. The bullpen has struggled as well. Uh, not at the back end, though. Kinsler has been really good for the Twins. He's a pitch-to-contact guy, but he has closed down 15 saves, a 2.55 ERA. But Paul Mulder doesn't have a ton of guys he trusts in close ball games. Breslow will be somebody in a close ball game they'll go to. Tyler Duffy has come up. He's has been a starter for most of his Twins career, now pitching out of the bullpen, and he's pitched pretty well as of late. As of late. But the Twins bullpen, the Mariners have a chance to get to in this series. And the way their offense is cranking, I think they have a chance to put up some runs in this series against the Twins. So it should be a very interesting series against Minnesota. Hopefully tomorrow we'll get somebody from the Minnesota side and go a little bit more in-depth to what uh, they've seen from the Minnesota Twins so far this year. But it gives you a little bit, at least a thumbnail, of what to look for. And I know the Mariners want to stay away from Miguel Sano. That's probably number one absolute stay away from in this series because he has punished teams so far this year. Career high, 25 home runs last year, batted just 236 and fanned 178 times. He struck out 78 times this year, but his walks are up and already just 11 home runs away from his career high. So he's having an excellent season in the middle of the order for Minnesota. Now, speaking of excellent stretches, the Mariners are in one right now offensively. So why don't we hear from Edgar Martinez, the hitting coach for the Mariners? We have to talk with Mariners hitting coach Edgar Martinez. Why? Well, because the Mariners won last night 9-2 to two over the Rays, and they won 12-4 to four the day before. So, Edgar, over the last couple of days, the Mariners with uh, 21 runs on 27 base hits. What's going on with the offense right now? Because right now it looks like everybody is chipping in. Yes, um, you know, the team, uh, we have some guys that uh, I'm doing really well, like um, Valencia, lately swing, swinging the bat really well. Mike Salino is doing well. The bottom of the older, uh, order is, uh, yeah. is uh, contributing uh, very well. And, uh, you know, the top of the uh, order do what they do. They, they, uh, they, they always produce. So now we have most of the uh, lineup uh, doing well. Let's talk about Mike Zunino. What a career night last night, Edgar. Three for four, seven runs batted in, one shy of the club record. Eight, Alvin Davis, Mike Blowers, and Mike Cameron. Grand slam home run that he almost hit out of the ballpark. Second row up to the tracks of the roof up there in left field. But Edgar, he's hitting safely in four of his last five games, hitting 473, a home run, and 10 runs batted in. What's been the biggest turnaround that you've seen and worked with, uh, with Mike Zunino? Well, Mike, uh, you know, he went down to, uh, to minor leagues uh, and uh, he had a plan to work on his swing, made some adjustments, uh, 
where he's more straight um, up and uh, his swing pads, he worked on his swing pads, it's, it's different, it looks different and uh, that work uh, start starting to pay off. Uh, he looks uh, really, really good at the plate. Yeah, everything he's hitting has is, is been hit hard. What's it like for you and for Scott Brocious uh, to see that kind of success knowing he's put in that work? Yeah, you know, we knew that uh, uh, this, uh, these changes take uh, some time and um, we just have to, you know, keep working uh, and he has to keep working with the swing and uh, the changes. Uh, but it's good to see that um, uh, it's, it's looking really well right now. You've been there before. Do the hits come first and then the confidence? Because now it seems like he's got so much confidence before he gets up to home plate. He's working on things in the on-deck circle, which I know you did every at-bat. Yes, um, you know, a routine uh, that, that, that he uses uh, before the game. Um, you know, those that type of routine where he works on his swing uh, and even when he goes on deck and the way he do his practice swings every little thing um, you know help and uh, uh, help change some old habits and uh, and it's um, it's looking really good right now and um, I know he's gonna stay with it. Danny Valencia four for four in last size ball game he's been on a tear the last month uh, what's been the key for Danny? Yeah, Danny, you know, we we know always knew he can hit. Uh, he always uh, been a good hitter. Uh, right now he's using the whole field. He's uh, going to right field very well. And um, um, he's, he's also um, laying off some tough pitches, yeah. getting good counts. Uh, and um, now it's, uh, it's looking at the Danny we all know. Well, Poppy, we've uh, got a lot more guys to talk about, but we've run out of time. And hopefully we'll talk about those guys in the next few days because the offense has really been outstanding. Edgar, thanks a lot for the visit. Thank you. Take care. So the long home stand continues. And to preview the rest of it, Aaron Goldsmith with Rebecca Hale. Aaron Goldsmith joined by, well, the person who has all the information here at Safeco Field. Isn't that right? Rebecca Hale joining us. Rebecca, good to see you. Good morning. Now, this is uh, this is a pretty jam-packed home stand for the Mariners. A day off tomorrow, but... What's coming our way for the uh, Twin Series and the Blue Jays Series? Well, one of the more interesting promotions that we've done here for the last few years is Sriracha Night. This has become a thing. Yeah, it's the hottest night of the year. I see what you did there. Yeah. Uh, that is on Wednesday. Now, are you, are you a fan of Sriracha? I do like it, but I'm not super crazy Would about you have it. a Sriracha milkshake? Because that is available. Actually, that is kind of good. Get the spicy yeah, the with the chocolate. Sp yeah. The spicy chocolate thing works. Yeah. Now, I mean, the Mariners have not to not to dwell this whole time on sriracha night, Rebecca, but this has made like national headlines. Yes. People love sriracha, and the funny thing when you see people dressed up like a giant sriracha bottle, they'll have like the weird green hat, right? And their red T-shirt and pants with the handmade logo and the little rooster thing, and yeah, they dig it. Yeah. All right. Well, it's coming back at you. Uh, this homestand, so Sriracha Night. That's yep. a, a special, a special, a special uh, ticket offer that's on Wednesday, June 7th. Yeah, you have to go online to mariners.com backslash Sriracha, and you have to spell it right. Yeah, so. I was going to say S-R-I-R-A-C-H-A. That's right. $35, you get a ticket. You get a Mariners beanie in Sriracha colors. You get um, some sunglasses, and you get a Sriracha menu item. Very nice. It's pretty cool, yeah. Hey, we noticed... Uh, 
play ball yeah. weekend here at Safeco Field. It's uh, written, it's painted onto the field in foul territory. The guys are wearing the T-shirts. This is a, a big uh, MLB initiative, and I, I can't think of a team that is running with them more than the Mariners. It is all across MLB, and we're just happy to be home on play ball weekend. And one of the things that we did a couple of weeks ago when the team was home is we took some of the guys out and um, took over a Little League game up at Rainier Playfield. We had um, Tom Hutler there. John B. Cooper, Safeco Field favorite, sang the national anthem. Rick Riz did play-by-play. The Moose was there. We did a low-tech hydro race <laughs> with little hydroplanes on sticks running around. Uh, I think the yellow won that race. Predictable. And then uh, Nelson Cruz, Gene Segura, Edwin Diaz, Taylor Motter went out, uh, did a little coaching on field, did a visit to the mound for the kids, taught them how to hold their gloves in front of their <laughs> face so that the other guys couldn't see what they're talking right. about. So that, that was a really fun thing, and we'll show some highlights of it on the big screen today. But, yeah, it's Little League Day. Kids 14 and under get a plastic bat and ball set. We are going to be um, awarding a $5,000 grant to Steel Lake Little League of Federal Way, and that's money that can be used to help kids who otherwise wouldn't be able to afford it be able to play Very uh, nice. Little League baseball and softball. Yeah. And then we've got the equipment drive. So if you're coming out to the ballpark, you still have time to bring some gently used baseball and softball equipment. Just about a minute left here with Rebecca Hale. And, uh, Rebecca, i got to talk to you about June 8th, Thursday night. This is... This is quite the sight from Safeco Field, isn't it? Funny nose and glasses night. That's it. We're on the same page. <laughs> it's part of our 40th anniversary celebration, and it is all about Tom Pachoric. And it's one of the more quirky promotions that we ever did back in the day at the Kingdom, where we gave away those, you know, the big nose and the glasses, kind of the Groucho look. Well, we're bringing it back, but it is a very limited thing because it's that cool 5,000 5,000 so you've got to be here early and you will get a pair of funny nose glasses it's launched nozzles that's right it'll look good mm -hmm. I think I'm ex now I, if only that was only dedicated to a section but we'll have to we'll have to scan the entire ballpark right you know it would be more fun to do that let's just change it up okay and now some fun with Dave Niehaus If you like baseball pros, you are going to love this one. This is a story written by Oscar London called Stan's Ring. I grew up in St. Louis during the prime of Stan the Man Musial in 1943. The Cardinals still played at Sportsman's Park, a grimy stadium, reeking on a hot day of all our father's sweat and cigar smoke, a tired ballpark echoing the murmur of slack-jawed crowd aroused from time to time by the crack of a base hit or the cry of, cold beer here. In 1943, Stan Musial was a seasoned cardinal of 23, while I was a boy of 12. Now we are both converging on senescence. The man is 68, the boy is 57. That, of course, is baseball. The Saturday game between St. Louis and the New York Giants began at 1 o'clock. In contrast to the grubby stands, the playing field of Sportsman's Park was pristine. Phosphorescent white lines marked off the diamond. The major league dirt of the infield looked like pure ground cinnamon. And the grass, oh, the grass. William Wordsworth never trod a meadow beside Lake Windermere so unashamedly green as the outfield of Sportsman's Park. The first two Cardinals, Musial and Slaughter, ran out on the field to take their positions. Under the tropical sun, their white and red uniforms were as dazzling as a pair of dice skipping over bright felt in Reno. 
I wore my souvenir cardinal cap and sat with my father just behind the box seats between home plate and third base. My father, like the century, was in his early 40s. He was a shirt salesman for a company that, like my father, would grow fat during the war. For some of our fathers, the action during a baseball game was not confined to the field. Placing a bet at Sportsman's Park required a certain amount of stealth and a rudimentary knowledge of the territory. The Jewish bookmakers patrolled our section between home and third. The Irish gamblers were strung out along the first baseline. The black gamblers were bunched in the right field bleachers. The Germans, high in the upper deck behind home plate, did not gamble. They owned the ball club, the ballpark, and the brewery. Moe, the bookmaker, his handsome face distorted by a wad of hot dog inside his right cheek, paused in the aisle just below us. He talked, necessarily, out of one side of his mouth, taking bets with the speed and precision his two sons would show after the war in biochemistry and physics. To my horror, my dad leaned forward, tapped Moe on the shoulder, and placed a $5 bet on New York to win. By the third inning, the Cardinals led six to nothing, and Musial was already two for two, a double and a triple. After the first inning, a succession of New York pitchers trudged to the mound, refused blindfolds, and stood facing the bats of Musial, Slaughter, Kurowski, and Cooper. The Cardinals were still at bat with two outs in the third when an enormous white cloud a mile above the pitcher's mound suddenly darkened to a visiting team gray. A muted growl of thunder indicated that some of the gods, like my father, had bet on the Giants to win. Out of left field, a cool breeze washed over the stands, chilling the hearts of beer vendors and giving wing to hundreds of mustard-stained napkins. In its effort to compete with the war, and the Cardinals, as a topic of conversation, the weather in St. Louis could be quite assertive. A shaft of lightning struck the top of the flagpole in center field, singeing the stars and stripes, and below it, the banner of the 1942 world champion Cardinals. Seconds later, a heart-stopping crack and bam of thunder filled the stadium, and before its echo disappeared, the rain was upon us. The drops were fat and cold, and they displaced from the hot expanse of grass an overpowering green fragrance. Like mourners around a headstone, the four black-garbed umpires gathered at home plate. Thunderstruck, they stared at the flash-flooded infield and gazed up at the heavens. Pooling their collective wisdom, they concluded it was raining cats and dogs and called off the game. My father and I joined the stampede for shelter underneath the stands near Grand Avenue. Cigars soggy, shoes ruined, all bets off. The huddled masses compacted themselves in the great democracy of the half-drenched. For 20 minutes, the storm continued to gather strength. As I stood watching the rain, I became vaguely aware of a new presence beside me. My father may he rest in peace, all bets on opposing teams forgiven, draped an arm across my shoulders and said, Show my son your ring, Stan. I looked up at the unmistakable hawk-beaked profile of the man. Hatless, batless, Musil was dressed in an unsullied beige suit, a white-on-white -white shirt, and a silver and brown striped tie. His tan, bone-dry loafers gleamed with a bottomless shine imparted by legions of shoeshine boys who had knelt at the foot of their hero. His sharply parted dark hair was still wet from his locker room shower. The man himself stood with us mortals under the grandstand waiting for a break in this storm. Show my son your ring, Stan, 
my father repeated in a louder voice. The left-handed hitter smiled and slowly extended his right fist. On the fourth finger was his world championship ring, a glittering prize of the Cardinals' victory the year before over the Yankees. An effulgence of gold, diamonds, and rubies. Stan's ring seemed to light up our entire section underneath the grandstand. Nowhere in the canons of baseball is it ordained that a Jewish boy must kiss the pro-offered ring of a cardinal. But for a fleeting moment on a rainy day in St. Louis, 45 years ago, I was tempted. Musial blushed at the glowing adulation surrounding him. Suddenly, he stepped out into the rain and hailed a taxi. It didn't appear to me that he got wet at all. But it's one, two, three, take out at the old ball again. See you later!